0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. I didn't like our start. Probably a little bit of a tough break on the first one. You know, now you're down 2 nothing, but I knew we had more in us. Really good, strong second period that brought us back in. I thought we could have been up as opposed to being tied, but that's what happens when you fall behind. Uh, and the penalties hurt us. You know, we take that late penalties, So basically the first you know, six minutes of the. Uh, the third was short kind of sucked a little bit of life out of us uh, then I thought we picked it up as that game went on scored and you know whatever a nice single that happens at times uh, but that's why you get the lead uh, and then we hung around long enough to win overca- or shoot out
1: you know we're gonna do a deep dive into this game <laughs> yeah you know in what general
0: that was that was a very succinct <laughs> recap I think we're gonna do this game a little more justice. We you know, have sixty minutes.
1: Let Goops me just looking to get to the bus. He and and I appreciate that, <laughs> and you know, it's something that when you take a look at this game, there were a lot of ups and downs. But but Dave, just to take a step back, because you obviously were in the building calling the game, and it is power here and lightning power play. I am Greg Lenelli, along with Dave Michigan, Steve Ursincks, our producer. I think if you take a step back, that was an enjoyable game, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that was a fun game to call. It was a fun game to watch. And, you know, it was nice. The Lightning came out with two points. and, and Didn't, they got he, didn't, didn't they we, out. in our
0: pregame yesterday, we played Coop's morning skate press conference. And in that press conference, he referenced the fact that when the Lightning and Flyers meet in recent years, these games tend to be yeah. really unpredictable and entertaining he said you know one team gets a huge lead and the other team rallies goes to overtime there have been games like that this one wasn't like a huge lead I mean the Flyers had a two nothing lead but it was definitely entertaining I mean the last two minutes of regulation and the five minute overtime you could you could buy a ticket just to watch those seven
1: minutes no doubt it had everything. I mean, you know, the Flyers get out to a lead. The, the Lightning battle back. Third period was a, a lot of fun. You're thinking, my goodness, the Lightning are going to pull out a win in regulation after Stamkos' bad angle goal. And then, of course, Giroux, as would Cooper say, seeing I single, <laughs> gets through Vassie. Yeah. Or Not from the Flyers'
0: standpoint, horrible goal allowed by Carter Hart.
1: Oh. <laughs> that was a bad goal. And I thought the goaltenders played well, you know, for yeah. the most part. Other than Vassie, that, he yeah. was really good. It's funny, though, Dave. You know, we kind of talk about it. It's like, as a goaltender in today's game, because we talked a lot about this in the playoffs last year, the goaltending against the Tampa Bay Lightning was pretty solid, but there were times where there was a bad goal, and it's tough to sit there and say a goaltender had a good performance if they let in a costly goal. That happened in the Carolina series. I felt like that happened at times in the Florida series last year. And I think last night you can make the case, the Flyers, that happened to them. I mean, can one bad goal fuzzy your your thought on how well a goaltender played? I think it can.
0: I well, mean, I didn't make him a star. In yeah. part because he gave up three, including, not including, but in addition to the three he allowed, two a in tr- the shootout. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to make goalie a star. I didn't make Vasilevsky a star either, but he pulled out some, pretty impressive I thought that was well. more
1: impressive than Hart. I thought that yeah. Hart goal you just can't like if you want to be a playoff team if you want to beat the defending Stanley Cup champs those are saves you have to make
0: here's the thing though like let's say he he doesn't allow that goal I think we probably still have overtime I mean we don't know for sure yeah. but you know the Flyers scored to tie it because they had the goalie on the bench right like they were throwing everything including the kitchen sink at the Lightning in the final 156 to try and get that game tied. If if Stamkos doesn't score there, right. do we see the final two minutes kind of unfold much like the first 18 of the third period, which is to say, like, both teams had some looks. The Flyers had more in the third period than the Lightning, but it had a completely different feel when it was tied as opposed to when the Flyers were down by one and they pressed to try and get the game tied, which they did. We can't go back and rewrite history. I'm just wondering, like, if you're the Flyers, you come out of that game, you're like, did the heart gaffe, we'll call it that, really Mm -hmm. have any impact on the game at all? Because you can't really make the argument that the Flyers would have scored their third goal to win in regulation. The circumstances would have been different.
1: That's fair. Yeah. I, it's fair. I mean they I, could I, have scored, but it's it, just an it, awful was, goal to give up.
0: <laughs> it's different when it's yeah. six on five. That's true. And and you're you're trying to get every puck to the net and you're willing yeah. to gamble as opposed to it's two two final minute of regulation. Let's get this game to overtime. That that tends to be the mentality often because you know that you don't want to lose that point.
1: Well, speaking of points, the lightning goes seven oh and two now on their last yeah. line. They keep up keep on picking up points, Dave, and I, I think They have found a nice rhythm to their game, and we can get into why. We have a question right now on Twitter, a couple of them. You know, should the Colton, Kachuk, and Radish line stay together? Is Joseph developing into a top-six player? You know, some of those might be too soon to tell, but certainly I I think what we've seen in, in a smaller sample size, those guys are performing very well. Stamkos continues to... Score some goals. Braden yeah. Point on the power play it was very encouraging to see. I mean, Dave, there were a lot of good signs and maybe some developing trends that have continued that we've seen from previous games into this Flyers game that, that I think if you're a John Cooper, you have to be feeling pretty good about where your team is.
0: Yeah, a couple of observations from the game last night. Now, you want to say that the Flyers are not really on top of their game in the first two periods. I guess you could say that. I'm, I'm really not going to spend a lot of time looking at things from the Flyers' perspective, though, because what we can say about the first two periods from the Lightning's perspective is they basically did what they wanted to do. Like, we often talk about this, Greg. We've talked about it, I know, in, in recent weeks, particularly as the Lightning went through that three-game homestand against their three playoff opponents from last year in the first three rounds, kind of like this tug-of-war. Are you able to impose your will on the other team? And do it for long stretches. And I thought the Lightning did that in the first two periods. They were down to nothing, not because the Flyers imposed their will on the Lightning. They were down to nothing because they had a couple of pretty significant mistakes that gave the Flyers opportunities to score, and the Flyers took advantage of those opportunities. So the Flyers earned that. I mean, Drew makes a great deke on the first goal. And Konechny... Of the three that Vasilevsky allowed, that's maybe the one that you might say it's a strong side shot. It goes far post. It was hard for me to see a really conclusive angle. If that was just like a perfect shot from Konechny or Vasilevsky was was giving him too much room on the far side, understanding he's coming down the right wing. But it was an odd man rush, and it was a chance for sure. So the Lightning have to own those mistakes. And that's basically why Coop was saying, I didn't like our start. It wasn't that they weren't executing for the majority of the first period to dictate play. They were. The problem was they had a couple of significant breakdowns that burned them, which is why they were down on the scoreboard. But their puck management, I I understand they had a turnover on the second goal at the offensive blue line. But when I say their puck management was good, like – If they had to come out of their defensive zone in the first period, let's say 25 times, they did it cleanly, like 22 of them, right? They were moving up the ice really well, and they were applying a lot of pressure in the Philadelphia defensive zone, and that trend continued into the second for much of the second period. I don't really think the Flyers started stringing together any sort of sustained pressure until the end, near the end of the second period. That was when they had that player on the net when – Lindblom tried to center it. It bounced off the post. Atkinson took a swing at it. You know that play at the end of the second? Like, that was dangerous for sure. And the Flyers, I would say, finally, from their perspective, put together a couple of good offensive shifts. And then, of course, they ended up drawing the penalty on Joseph. And they gained momentum from that. And they had a much better third period in terms of their possession game. But when we say, like, the Lightning were able to impose their will on the Flyers in terms of having the puck a lot and, and forcing the Flyers to play team defense. That was up and down the lineup. So it wasn't just breed and points line went out and dictated play. It was Braden points line went out, dictated play. And then Stamkos's line came out and that line dictated play. And then Colton, Kachuk and Radish, did they have a game? They had one heck of a game. And... Every time they were out on the ice, I felt like they had the puck in the offensive zone. And I I would say of the four lines, the one that had the least impact in terms of driving play but but still did drive play to some extent was Belmar, Maroon, and Perry. But they weren't stuck in their own zone either. So the Lightning were rolling those four lines, and it was just like, I use this expression a lot, like wash, rinse, repeat. I mean, the Flyers could not really change the narrative of how the game was going until the end of the second period. Then in the third, the Flyers were playing more on their toes. They definitely were helped by the two power plays that Coop referenced. And remember, the Flyers were in a 3-for-36 rut going into the game. Now 3-for-38 because they went over 2 But their power play looked good. They... They had some looks on their power play, including that one right off the bat at the start of the third on a set play when Konechny picked up the puck off the end boards, and Vaslovsky made a tremendous save on on that shot because that was going above the pad under Mm -hmm. the glove, and Vaslovsky just got enough of it to deflect it wide. But keep in mind, the Flyers have have really zeroed in on trying to improve their power play. Right. And I think that work paid off from the standpoint that they didn't score – But they were really dangerous and they gained momentum from it. So I think that explains to some extent, like, how the third period differed from the first two. But if you were to ask me, like, how did the Lightning play? That they played really well. Like, the metrics that we look at for a good performance, like, they did manage the puck well, they had a ton of possession. They outshot the Flyers for much of the game. I know at the end it, it got closer, and that had a lot to do with what happened in the third period. But I think they had more scoring chances than the Flyers, and I think they should come out of that game kind of feeling like, yeah, we, we gave up the lead late and we fell into an early hole, but by and large, like we played well enough to deserve two points, and we got what we deserved.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that, and I think that's what you have to take. From a game like this in November, and you're just munching points, as John Cooper likes to say. But you mentioned the 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 kid line, and we can call it the kid line. I'm sure there's going to be a, a fun name that somebody's going to come up with to describe yeah. Kachuk, Radish. I and will Colton. just point out that all
0: three of these guys have been in pro hockey for a number of years. Well, that <laughs> so is true. That is true. You want to call them
1: the kid line? That's fine. But but I mean, they're considered technically all they are
0: they are by age younger than some of the other players on the lightning For sure, yes
1: and their status would be considered rookies for sure radish in terms of their
0: experience in the nhl they're they're much earlier in the process than most of the other players yes but they're
1: not yes in real and as my daughter would say in real life dad in real life they're not kids i mean they're (laughs) you know young (laughs) young men but well, they don't um, call Crosby
0: Sid the Sid Kid the
1: anymore. Kid. No, I think he's
0: don't. outgrown that moniker. But at 20,
1: Although Dave, when you get to be a certain age, everybody feels like a kid to you, right?
0: I don't know. I hope that <laughs> I hope that I I hope that even though I look nothing like a kid, I hope my my inner spirit is kid oh y-
1: yes for sure there's no question about it but let's let's put the the all rookie line you know yes I don't know how you many games Call it the kid line for sure yeah and I, I don't know we'd have to go back and see exactly you know how many minutes how many games have they been together but I, I think Dave one of the things I, I brought up to you and you know we have we've had discussions about what are your expectations what are you expecting from players like that who have no to very limited NHL experience. And now that they're on the team, what do you want to see from them? And I, I, I think it varies from who you talk to. I'm sure the coaches have a an idea of what they want them to do. You have an idea. I have an idea. The fans do. I think for me, it was just to be noticeable. And I had mentioned to you, I'd look, I, you can't just skate up and down the ice and, and just take up 10 minutes of ice time and and not yeah. do anything. And You did say You that. know, I, I want to see some pushback. And I, I wanted to see it in terms of some production, meaning points and goals. But I acknowledge that's always not going to happen. Circumstances, team, who you're playing, where you're playing, a lot of times dictates that. But I think at least for me, again, this goes back to the eye test. I haven't looked at the numbers in terms of, you know, what's their... What's their zone time? How many shots are they potentially generating? It feels like they are tilting the ice in their favor. And I think we've seen some points start to accumulate because of that, not a bunch, but even drawing penalties like we saw last night with Kachuk. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to see impactful plays, not just taking up space. And Dave, I think we've seen that from that line. I don't know if it's going to last. What I can tell you is that I think John Cooper, like most coaches, is probably going to look at their performance over the last couple of days and say, you know what? I'm going to send them back out there on Saturday. And if they do it well again, you know what? I'm going to give them another shot on Sunday. And I think, yeah. I think that's the way to look at it, but they have been tilting the ice in the Lightning's favor, and I think that's been a positive sign.
0: Well, we had this discussion last week, I believe it was, about – I think less about Colton, but more about Radish and and Kachuk. But Colton's playing with them, and we had this discussion about the kind of the results versus the process. And what you said at the time, Greg, was, you know, I want I want to be able to come onto the show the day after a game and and say more than Taylor Radish looked like he took some strides. I want to be able to say like he had two points. And what I said was i i am looking at are they are they driving play are they having an impact on the game and if they are able to do that the points eventually will come so we were kind of reaching the same conclusion but i think we were coming at it from from different vantage points and what i'm hearing from you is that like last night that line didn't have a point but there is no question they had a huge impact on the game and and that's what i wanted to see and i think if this continues they will get points if not for Hart, colton would have had two goals last night i mean two of Hart's best saves in the game came on colton one in the second period and one in the third and so then you might say well what is this line doing well or what are they doing Better now than maybe some of these guys individually were doing earlier in the year, when they weren't a trio together, and I credit a lot of this to Kachuk. I think Kachuk, we've used this term about Sorelli. I think Kachuk drags you into the fight. I think Kachuk is a guy who is always in the middle of things, and I also think that that going going hand in hand with that, I think Colton has almost reached the point in the season where he's like, I have one goal. This needs to end. <laughs> like, I need to I need to elevate and do more. And I'm seeing an urgency to his game that has coincided with him joining this line. Now some of that might be having Kachuk on his wing is helping that process along, but Colton is playing with a determination that I'm not sure we were seeing from him as consistently earlier in the year. He is going to the net, and that's where he is going to have success. Now, he has a good shot. Like, we've seen him score, Greg, from the circle snapping wrist shots to the top of the net. He is capable of scoring, we'll call it, from distance. But a lot of his goals come from the hash marks in. And that was where he scored in Game 5 against the Canadians. He went to the front of the net. And finish that that pass from Savard. And that's what I'm seeing from him. He is going to the net. He is going to the net with a purpose. And he is having that. I'm not going to be denied by anyone. Getting to the net. And with that sort of urgency. Slash determination. Slash energy if you will. I think Radish has been drawn into the fight. I thought that was Radish's most noticeable game that he has had so far this year because that's the term we always use when talking about radish and we didn't come up with it cooper mentioned it at the start of the year he said with taylor you know you want to be able to notice him i think he said that in the in the preseason and we certainly noticed him last night he was as on top of pucks as i have seen him to this point understanding that he's gotten some some looks He's been a little bit snake bitten, but I just thought that line they were on top of the Flyers every time they stepped out on the ice. And they want to say it, it started when Kachuk returned to the lineup. It did. It certainly did. but I think the other guys deserve credit too. So it's not only Kachuk, but I still go back to I think what Kachuk brings to the ice helps the game of
1: the other two players. The thing about it is, Dave, and you're spot on, we've got to take a break. When we were looking at the young players during preseason, and we were kind of doing our list of guys who have stood out and guys who didn't, because there was four guys that we were talking about, and we included Ryforce in that because you know he had done some decent things in the prospect camp. Kachuk was one, one one on my list. I didn't have Barry Boulay as high, but I think because of what he did the previous year, some people were inclined to elevate him based off of what he had done previously. Kachuk impressed the most in preseason, in my opinion, with the scoring, and I think you hit the nail on the head. His ability to bring you, draw you into the fight. I think it's not a coincidence that we're starting to see those guys play better, because Kachuk and what he brings shift after shift has allowed them, I don't know if it's to play a little bigger, just giving them a little bit more bravado, so to speak. There's something to be said about his game that has elevated his teammates. And I think it's something to keep an eye on, and I don't want the team to dismiss that aspect of his skill set because I think it is just as valuable as, you know, Barry Boulay, you know, maybe picking up a few points here and there because I think Kachuk will eventually do that as well. I think there's a, a nice combination of skill and grit to his game. Maybe a little bit more consistent than Radish. But if Radish and Kachuk are playing on the same line with Ross Colton, now you're talking about something here, Dave. And that's why I said you got to give this line, and it it may not happen this way. But that's why it's important not to make judgment after five games or ten. It may take a full year to see what you really have in those guys. But this is the start. And if you see something positive developing, let it go. Let's see what happens. You're picking up points along the way. And if this was a team that was on a five-game losing streak and they look bad doing it, maybe you're starting to switch things up. You don't need to right now. Keep those guys together and let's see if they can build off what they've done over the last couple of games. And I think it's something important to see. We'll take some questions because we got some people who want to weigh in uh, right now on that topic. We'll take a break. We'll come back. He is Dave Mishkin. I am Greg Linelli. Steve Versnick is our producer. Hit us up on Twitter at Radio. Back after this on Lightning Powerplay. Hey, it's Seth Kushner from The Block Party, and we are back this week with another excellent episode. BB, Alex Barre Boulet stops by. We talk about his very brief stint with the Kraken, what it was like celebrating the Stanley Cup last year, and when he knew it was time to hit the ice with Killer for the celebration after the Game Five clincher. We also have episodes up this season with Anton Stralman. Vazzy, Bogo, and Belmar. It's the Block Party with Seth Kushner wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Glad you're with us here on a Friday. Always nice to talk to you on a Friday with the weekend here. We've got a lot of hockey this weekend. Yeah. You know, Dave, we got those late, we'll call it late afternoon, right? I mean, I think that's fair. we got 4 o'clock tomorrow, 5 o'clock on Sunday. And make sure you jot that down on your calendar. We'll be having pregame coverage uh, an hour before the puck drops. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We've got a a couple of questions that we're throwing your way this afternoon after uh, the Lightning. Took care of business last night in Philly in a shootout. And we're asking you right now, what do you make of the Colton, Kachuk and Radish line? Do you want to see them stay together? And is Joseph developing into a top six player. Now, Dave, I think the initial reaction, let's go there and then we'll get into some questions. The initial reaction, I think, with Matthew Joseph, and it might be the right one, is that, no, I, I just don't see enough of the hands to complement the speed and maybe the other skilled guys he's playing with to be a top six guy consistently in the league. And that that's fair analysis. He's still a young player. I think there's room for him to grow, but if if that's your judgment based off of what you've seen so far to this point, I I don't know if I would really disagree with you too much. The flip side of that is, uh, as a young player, sometimes you take pretty big jumps in your game year after year before you kind of plateau, and that's kind of who you are. I don't think we've seen the best from Matthew Joseph just yet. I think he's a guy who is still getting better, and we had talked about his ability on – the PK that's maybe given him an added responsibility and has given him some more confidence to be a guy who's really contributing to this team. And I think that is fair. And now that he's getting an opportunity, at least right now, to be in a top six role, and you can define top six however you want, Matthew Joseph is is making some plays. Now, is he going to be a guy that's going to score 25 goals a year if he's playing on that line consistently? I don't know. But what I have seen, Dave, is that he has been making some plays. And I'm intrigued enough to see, as long as the personnel is what it is and as long as they're dealing with some injuries and giving some other guys an opportunity, I'm willing to give Matthew Joseph an opportunity on that line with who he's playing with a little bit more time to see maybe what you have. And worst case, he ends up being a a really good third-line player who can chip in 15 to 20 goals a year at best maybe that speed really starts to uh, complement the hands and you get something greater than that. But it's enough to at least intrigue me because I I think I'm starting to see a few more offensive plays that he's making that maybe I, I hadn't seen in the last couple of years. He is making offensive plays. There's no doubt about
0: that, whether he's feeding one of his line mates or scoring a goal himself. I mean, we talked about the beautiful shot that he had against the Islanders into the top of the net.
1: Yeah, that was a beautiful. That oh, was it book. on Monday. Yeah.
0: And that was not an easy finish that he had last night either. He came on the post game with us and he said, you know, I was lucky, <laughs> lucky that the puck bounced over Braun Stick, but he still has to settle it down right. and hurry that shot in before Hart can get over, which he did. So he deserves credit for that also he deserves credit for going to the front of the net understanding that that's where he needed to go in that particular situation so i think he's playing with a lot of confidence i think he is jiving well with Stamkos and Kalorn. and here's the thing whether we're talking about joseph as a top six however you frame that poll question or we want to call the colton line the fourth line do we call it the third line I think in John Cooper's mind, it really doesn't matter.
1: No, it doesn't. What
0: he is looking for is, is this line being productive? Not only productive in terms of points, which is something we talked about in the last segment, but being productive in helping us dictate play and carry play and play the way we want to play. And if the line is doing that, as much as John Cooper is not hesitant to mix up a line— the other side of the coin is also true, that he is not hesitant to keep a line together, if that makes sense. Like, he's not going to have a quick trigger finger on a line if the line is showing him that they're doing good work. So that kind of leads into the second part of that question, which is, should the line of Kachuk, Radish, and Colton stay together? I don't see any reason to believe that Cooper would would. Change up that line. They're getting ice time. They're getting important shifts. Shift after a goal. Sometimes they're out there. That penalty you mentioned, Kachuk drew. Kachuk yeah. actually drew two penalties last night. Lightning had three power plays. Two of those power plays came from penalties that Boris Kachuk drew. So the first penalty was called on Ristolainen, where he stepped in front of Joseph late first, and the fans in Philly didn't like the call. And, and they could have let it go. I didn't think that they should have let it go, and they didn't let it go, be that as it may. The Lenny don't score in the power play. First shift after the power play ends, who comes out there? Colton's line. Right off the draw, Kachuk draws the penalty on Braun. And the first unit goes back out there. They win the faceoff, and they score. So that tells you where John Cooper's head is as far as where he wants to use the Colton line right now. Important shifts that come at signature moments in the game. They could swing the balance of momentum one way or the other. He's not shy about putting Colton's line out there. That tells you a lot about where his mind is at with that line. So the Lightning heading into tomorrow afternoon's game against New Jersey. Again, I don't see any reason to believe that John Cooper would mix up that line or at some point say, you know what, Matthew Joseph is filling in on the top six because he's playing with Stamkos and Kalorn, and this is just like he's holding a a place until we switch up the lines again. No. If Joseph is fitting in with these guys, who cares? What's important is that he's fitting in with these guys, and he's being productive. And he is being productive not only in terms of how he's playing, but also producing points. Kalorn has assists, what, in five straight games now, But Joseph has been involved in a lot of those plays, whether he's also getting an assist or he's scoring a goal. The last two games, Kalorn has had an assist on Matthew Joseph's goal.
1: He has. And that's been impressive. The speed, the the thing about Joseph that's always going to be intriguing, Dave, and that's why it may take a little bit longer for some of those guys to find their role permanently in the NHL. The speed doesn't go into slumps. I think it's it's your mind and your hands. Do they complement the speed? Can you slow the game down? Can you pick your spots where your speed really becomes an asset and you can take a few more risks? And then ultimately, I think it's the offensive instincts because being in a certain position in the zone where Steven Stamkos is able to find you and then as soon as you get the puck on your stick – You not only release it quickly, but you do it with accuracy. And we saw that in the Islanders game. And so it may take a little longer for Matthew Joseph to feel completely comfortable as an offensive player in this league. But the thing that's always going to give him a chance, Dave, is his speed. And if anything, at the very least, Matthew Joseph could be a guy that just moves up and down the lineup for you. Those guys can be extremely valuable because your speed doesn't go into a slump. And if that means John Cooper's looking for a spark, and let's say Joseph is playing on a third line, but he says, you know what, I'm going to throw Joseph up on the first line or the second line, he can do that. If everybody's healthy, and they they look at Matthew Joseph and say, you know what, I think he's going to be a really good third-line player right now for this team who can chip in 15, 20 goals, then so be it. We saw Yanni Gore do that. We saw Blake Coleman do that. Yeah. There's no reason why a guy like Matthew Joseph, whose game is a bit different than those two players I just mentioned, but understanding that there is some grit there, I don't think he has the sandpaper that those players play with, but I also don't think those players had the speed that Joseph had. So now it just becomes a a different combination of skill sets on that third line, but you can still be effective. I think we don't know the story, the whole story on Matthew Joseph. And again, kind of like the kid line, I'm willing to give this year within reason an opportunity to find out what you exactly have. Because I do think in some ways, Dave, playing with other skilled players maybe brings out a little bit more in your game that you didn't know you had, but it also forces you to start thinking on that level of a highly skilled player because you don't want to be a guy who isn't ready for that pass that Kalorn or Stamco sends your way. Now you're starting to think like an elite offensive player. Again, doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're going to be that guy. But I, I, look, that's what this year, in my opinion, is for with some of these younger guys. And I, I have to be honest, collectively, Dave, I've been very pleased with how the younger guys have played relatively speaking considering the playing time that they are getting on a championship team it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do and i think they're fitting in pretty well and i think we're starting to see certain developments in their game that has you thinking okay i th- I, I think they have something here with these guys it's encouraging
0: yeah i mean i agree completely with, with everything that you're saying we talked last week or maybe it was earlier this week again We do so many shows, I just know what we talked about, I don't remember when. I know. But when we talked about Joseph, we talked about his poise with the puck. And I think that's been the the key element that has been introduced to his game. Whether that's confidence, the fact that he's playing with a couple of guys that are going to help him. In, in terms of you know being ready for a pass or making a play, and he's seeing plays being made with Stamkos and Kalorn that are leading to goals, and that's helping him along. Whatever the reason, his poise with the puck, I think, allows him to tie all of it together that you talked about. The speed, the mind, and the hands. Because we're seeing that
1: from him right now. We are. And that part's been fun to watch, and... um we're going to get to some questions about that in our next segment. We're going to take a break now. Hit us up on Twitter, at Radio. Some comments on the game last night. What did you make of the Ross Colton line? Matthew Joseph, is he making a case that he wants to be in a top six? I had this question with Eric Erlinson yesterday that we can touch on, too, coming back in addition to getting you ready for the weekend. I mean, when everybody does come back healthy, and I know this is a hypothetical because injuries could always happen uh, – are we starting to see, because of the way he's played, that maybe Steven Stamkos' best position is at center? And what are the lines looking like when everybody is back healthy? Again, I understand that's a hypothetical, but it's it's fun to talk about that when we return. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lenelli. It is Bolts Radio on Lightning Power Play.
0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio Radio app.
1: Glad you are with us. On a Friday. You know, Dave, you, you mentioned something in that previous segment about, you know, we do so many shows. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what day it is sometimes. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, you we, said it's Friday. Well, it is Friday. Well, that's just because I have to keep reminding earlier. myself it's Friday. But you know, what though, in our profession, does Friday really mean anything? <laughs> I mean, you know, because we usually have to work on the weekends, right? Yeah.
0: Friday for the Lightning usually means no game. Not always. I feel like the Lightning, like a lot of NHL teams, tend to play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, with the odd Sunday thrown in there. And if you look at the the league schedule, usually Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are lighter days. But I think some teams really like playing at home on Friday, and so they take a lot of those dates. I want to say Chicago plays a lot of Friday home games. I'm looking at the schedule tonight. I think you could be right. Seattle and Vancouver, so it's a light night. And they are only two games, and they're both in the West Coast. Are there any
1: but- times or days as an announcer that you don't like? Like, oh, look, we're calling games. We're, I mean, it's it's hard to quibble about yeah. doing what we do. But, I mean, like, like this weekend, I find it interesting. Like, my wife and I, we have obviously two youngsters, and I know Steve does as well. Your kids are a little bit older than ours, but, you know, it's – whether it's activities they're involved in the afternoon games. I feel like on the weekends throws you off a little bit, especially if you're a a parent with a, a couple of little ones. Who yeah, have, well, it's different you know, if
0: you're at home as opposed to on the road. I like Correct. the afternoon games once the games start, and then when they're over, you still have time left
1: in the day. Yes. <laughs> so that is very nice. I'd rather have these games at 1 o'clock, let's put it that way, than 5. Okay. That would be because this
0: weekend, for me personally, I don't know about you if you feel this way. This weekend is going to be a little challenging, or not, I shouldn't say a little challenging, maybe a little bit more challenging than a typical game that would be at seven o'clock with a morning skate simply because the Lightning are seeing two teams they have not seen in a while. I mean, the Devils don't resemble closely I mean there are a lot of guys that are still on the team when when the lightning lost. saw the Devils two years ago but they have a lot of newer players too Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and a morning skate like I can kind of touch base with their announcers and you you just get a feel for the team a little bit more there's more time to prepare during the day so you just kind of condense everything but once the game starts your prep is done and then it's a matter of okay the game is going to be over around what six forty-five, maybe on the the long end closer to seven that's still there's still a lot of runway left in the day yeah so i sure. like the afternoon games the games that that i find i'm kind of like really are east coast games that start like at eight and Lightning have a few of those and those are television related like the the it's a national broadcast and and they are put on an eight and in fact when you get deep in the playoffs we see that an eight o'clock face off mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a huge fan of the later start when you're in the east coast I understand when you're in a different time zone it starts later but not in that time zone you want to go to St. Louis for example the Minnesota game after Thanksgiving is an afternoon game but at St. Louis it's an eight o'clock start but that's seven o'clock St. Louis time that's fine then the other ones are, like, the end of a trip where the game is, you know, 10.30 Eastern out in San Jose. Like, that one would be nice to be an afternoon game. And maybe you can get home that night instead of spending yeah. the night and, and flying back the next day. But but these are really minor quibbles on my part. Yeah, yeah small potatoes. I don't potatoes. mind the afternoon games, though.
1: No, I, I it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, it's just... You have to shuffle your schedule a bit more. And I know fans, you know, they like to, especially on the weekends, you know, go down and make it a day, you know, go down and tailgate a bit. And uh, I'd be curious to hear from them how that that.
0: But, you know, a fan can can go out for a bite to eat. I mean, a lot of fans do eat at the game, but, you know, you could go to the game and then go out to dinner afterward when it's a four o'clock game. That's true. And Sunday at five, you know, it's not really a school night because we're into Thanksgiving week. But I like the earlier start times on Sundays.
1: I don't mind them. I don't mind them. It can be a little challenging, but I don't yeah. mind them. Uh, let's get to some questions here in yeah. our last segment. And, of course, as we know, Al, our, our good friend, is going to have a bunch of opinions. And let's narrow it down to, like, one or two here because we have a few other people who want to weigh in. He says, last night around the 10-minute point in the first period, 79, 13, and 16 hemmed in the Flyers for the entire shift. Had to do a double-take. Thought the Gord line was back. Also noticed 10 being very responsible defensively. So 10 is Perry, in case yep.
0: people aren't certain. I thought Colton's line from their first shift of the game did that. Yes. But they did have one of those shifts halfway through the first period. He is right.
1: Bob says, do you think we see Elliot in goal against the Wild or the Devils? Yes. I don't know which one, though. So my th- sense would be... Uh, I'm gonna go Devils with Vassy. I'm gonna go Wild with Elliot, and that's okay. just that's just Eastern Conference. I don't think the Devils are a playoff team, but does that game is that a little bit more meaningful than the Wild game, Dave? If we're trying to really split hairs a bit, yeah, maybe, maybe. And uh, I, I say Elliot Wild Vassy
0: tomorrow. Did you see? By the way, the Devils they lost four-one to the Panthers last night. They had 46 shots on Spencer Knight. He made 45 saves. They had 22 good, shots man. in the first period of the Devils. They came mm-hmm. out of the gates flying.
1: I'll be interested to talk to some people with the Devils, you know, and kind of what's what's making them tick a bit this year. I mean, part of it could just be, you know, you get so many of these younger guys finally in, and, and they're yeah. developing at a high level. Hughes and, is out, though. I mean, Hughes yeah. got hurt early right. in the year. You're right. So we'll see how uh, – how they've been able to at least yeah, they pretty Yeah, they got Dougie
0: Hamilton. He scored last night. That's helped. We have not seen him, but I remember seeing his name last year, a young defenseman named Ty Smith. Yeah. He had a pretty good year last year. I'm looking at their ice time from last night's game, and the leaders on D were Smith, Hamilton, and Damon Severson. They also have Ryan Graves, who's a really good player. That was that deal... They got him from Colorado because Colorado thought they were going to lose Graves in the expansion draft, right? And PK Subban only played fifteen fifty-eight. Now there might have been, who knows what was going on? I didn't watch the game, so sure. I don't, I don't know why Subban only played just under sixteen minutes while these other guys were up around twenty-one plus. But maybe they're maybe they're carving back his ice time a little bit. You weren't watching the Devils game last night, Dave? Well, the here's the thing. Before. like Subban has always been a power play guy, but they have Hamilton now. Yep. As a righty D, I'm guessing he plays the power play. In fact, I'm looking at the ice time right now. Hamilton played 3 minutes and 20 seconds of power play time. Subban had zero minutes mm-hmm. of power play time. So, Ty Smith and Severson also had power play time. So, they must use a power play with two defensemen. That's becoming less and less common now have you noticed greg a lot of teams on both power play units not every team but a lot of teams have four forwards and one defenseman Mm -hmm. including the lightning i can remember a time when the the penguins would throw out five forwards (laughs) you know that that can can happen too you know but a lot of teams not only have that one defenseman with four forwards they use that umbrella formation in fact, I mean, I'm hard-pressed to think of a team that doesn't use the umbrella formation now yeah. on, a, on a power play. But, you know, when I was growing up, watching teams play the power play, you had the two-point guys. Mm-hmm. One defenseman played the right point, and one defenseman play the left point. I mean, guys who could bomb it, like Ally Afraidy, he would score in the power play, but he was not in the middle of the
1: ice. No. He would rip it from the left point. Who changed that, having a forward on the power play, like at one of the points?
0: Well, uh, the forward, the way they they construct the power play now, the forwards are not at the point. There's one guy at the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the forwards that are up high are at the circles. Yeah. So you can set up one-timers there. Al McGinnis, I mean, how many goals did Al McGinnis score on the power play with his big shot? And a lot of them, I want to say, came. Like, he was not in the middle of the ice. He was firing away from the right point. He's right. a righty defenseman, so that has changed for sure. That should be a question. We talked about questions we wanted to ask Fran John after you brought up Kevin Woodley last last episode or last show, two shows goal, ago, I guess. The goalie whisper, the goalie whisper. Like the next time we have Halpern on, because he's a student of of the game as well. Like, when did this shift happen from two defensemen on the power play to one, where most teams are now using that umbrella setup? But maybe the Devils aren't, because I'm seeing the ice time here split between three defensemen on the power play.
1: I also wanted to we know. We kind of got off on a tangent. No, already. he wants Sorry. to know: Does Alex Barbule get sent to Syracuse, or is he better off here just practicing and occasionally slot in on another line?
0: I think the Lightning want to have. Right now, they only have one extra forward. I don't think there's any problem relating to the cap at this point with keeping him up. What if somebody gets hurt in warmups? No, I don't think they want him sitting indefinitely. But at least right now he's taking. But it right out. now, like, I don't know where you would put him to mix up one of these lines that we just talked about that are that are playing so well. So he's just gonna have to be patient. I, I guess, took, I took, you know, doing the hard work that he's doing in practice and and you know working late after the morning skates.
1: Dave, when you had to get the bus yesterday, I, I spent a, a good portion of that last segment. Maybe I was defending Cory Perry a bit. And because I, I had seen that not just on our show. I, I have seen that in the Twitter world, you know, a lot of people coming down a bit on Corey Perry. And I think it's easy to do that because you see the donut in in the goal column and I think a lot of people are looking at it and saying, Well, he's not he's not doing much And I, I said, to be fair, I think there are games where he is more noticeable than others. But I said, at least for me this year, and you can make a decision on Corey Perry however you want, whenever you want. But for me, I, I'm willing to give him this year regardless of how well or not as well he does in the regular season. Because I think Corey Perry was brought in here, Dave, to hopefully do what he did in the postseason in the last couple of years. Doesn't mean he's going to give you the same production. I I don't know that. And I I also said, you know, when you get to a certain age in the National Hockey League, you're not an ascending player anymore. You start Your skill sets start to decline. And it can happen at 32. It can happen at 35. It could happen at 30, depending on what type of player you are and and what your game is. But for me, uh, it's almost like uh, irrelevant in some ways of how well or how poorly Corey Perry looks in the regular season. Because for me, I think he was brought in to help be a grinder and to help offset the loss of some of the players they did lose in the offseason by being a a pretty decent producer in the playoffs. And while maybe that's not the right way to look at it, you know, if Corey Perry scores 10 goals in the regular season, I'm not sure that changes my view of what I expect from him come playoff time. I expect him to, to do very well in the playoffs. and. Whether that comes in, in hits or shots on goal or goals, that remains to be seen. But I think he'd be the one player a lot of people would look at and say, well, if you're going to take somebody out of the lineup, is it going to be a, a guy like Perry? I, I just don't think that's realistically going to happen unless he has an injury, Dave. And I think he's earned that right to just stay in the lineup assuming he just he's not fallen so fast with his skill sets that you're, you're forced to move him off a line. But for me, Perry... You keep him in the lineup. You see what he does, but really, I think he's going to be judged as will most of these guys. How well they do in the playoffs.
0: I agree with you, and I think that right now, because I mean we're far away from from the playoffs starting. What would help Corey Perry is seeing a puck go in for him.
1: Yes, even if it's an empty net goal. <laughs> you know, at this point, you know yeah. sometimes they get a guy out there who hasn't scored. Put him out there. Right. And, and just, again, I, I make that example a lot of times. You know, if you're a shooter in basketball that has struggled to knock down that open shot, sometimes getting to the free throw line and just seeing that ball go through the hoop does wonders for your, your mental condition. And I think for Corey Perry, who has been close at times, Dave, this year, just to see that puck go in the net, even if it's in an empty net situation, I, I'm hoping... Does wonders for his confidence. I don't know yeah. if that will, but that's that's more of a. I'm hoping that is the case, but I, you know, Corey Perry for me, you stay in the lineup and you just let him work out whatever he's working out, and and you kind of go from there. Uh, this question came from George, and it's kind of what I tease going into this segment, Dave, and that basically was when everybody's healthy, has Steven Stamkos shown you enough to stay at center rather than shift to wing? I don't think
0: it's going to be... Well, maybe it is going to be this way because the Lightning moved Yanni Gord to center and kept him at center because that line was so impactful for the yes. Lightning. I just don't know if them saying Stampkos is being productive right now in the middle, so we need to keep him in the middle... When you have other considerations about how are we going to construct the rest of our lineup, particularly when Kucherov comes back. Because right now, Sorelli is essentially playing right wing with point. So when Kucherov comes back, who's going to be point's right winger? Kucherov, presumably, right? Mm-hmm. Like once he gets back and gets in, gets healthy, is able to play. So what does that do to Sorelli? Do you move Sorelli to the left wing? Do you keep Pollot there? If Sorelli is not playing with Point, is it important that he is a center? And again, like, Point and Sorelli in the same line. Sorelli takes a lot of face-offs. But then I think when the play is going on, Point is in the middle. And we've seen that when Sorelli and Stamkos have been together. Like, the guy who takes the face-off isn't always playing in the middle. So I think there there are more considerations just beyond this player is is showing to be productive in this particular position. But maybe those additional considerations, when taken into consideration, you reach the same conclusion that we want to keep him there. So I think it's too early to tell. But I don't think it's a decision that's made in a vacuum, right? Like, let's put Stammer here and it's going well, so we're just going to keep him here come hell or high water. Because I think you want to construct your top six when your top six is, is fully healthy and able to play in a way that the six players are are best suited to have the most success possible.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. You know what I, I'm saying? I, yeah, no, I I, I do. I, I will say this. I think with Stamkos' play this year, I don't know if anybody anticipated, Dave, you know, we talk about players when they hit a certain age. You know, you don't see players at Stamkos' age typically... Really get better. I mean, you may it it does happen. I I I don't want to put everybody in. But he's healthy too. Well, but that's my point. Like, I don't know if anybody thought at this point in his career he was going to be fully healthy. I mean, you know, typically you get to this age. He's had a lot of surgeries. He's played a a pretty physical game at times. I mean, that's wear and tear on your body. Naturally, you're going to slow down a little bit. It's almost gone the opposite way, where Stamkos has said, "Look, I I finally feel healthy. My body feels great." My shot is still there. I don't know if, as an organization, Dave, you anticipate a player at his age who's had some of the issues he's had over the last couple of years look as good as he's ever looked, at least over the last five. And so I think when that happens, as an organization, probably take a step back and say, okay, is this just kind of a a one-time thing? Or is this something that we think he can continue to do over the next couple of years? I think as an organization, you do your due diligence and you have to look at an individual like that because he's an asset. And you look at, What's reasonable to expect? The shot hasn't slowed down. I think Stamkos's game has evolved over the last couple of years to the point where he's a skilled guy, but I think he can play a pretty gritty game. And as long as he's winning face-offs, like we've seen over the last couple of years, pretty consistently, I, I would not be so quick when everybody's back to put him to the wing again. Now, that may happen. Here's a question, though. That may happen.
0: Do you feel that he has been more effective since they moved him to center because i think he's been effective all year
1: that's fair that's fair
0: i mean if you were to move him back to wing do you feel that there would be a significant drop off in how he is playing and i'm curious like what did eric say when you brought it up to him
1: it was just one of those things where it's you know it's going to be interesting when everybody comes back and <laughs> I mean yeah it wasn't really a definitive answer and that might be the kind right of, answer which Dave. was what I said too that might be that might be the the right answer I, I guess what I'm saying is there's also kind of like an ego thing too I, I think uh, you know for a lot of players coming up you know your best players typically were your centerman be- it just how it is you know like in football it's the quarterback um, you know it could be the point guard. For Bass. I mean, you've got the puck on your stick a lot. There there are a lot more responsibilities. I think there's just a a confidence that comes with being a centerman. You've you've got a lot of responsibilities and you know, sometimes your best players are the ones that take those important draws or they're counted on to create, they're counted on to score goals, I'm not saying you can't do that from the wing. And a lot of that is interchangeable too, with having a couple of centers on the same line. So I acknowledge that. I mean, maybe the politically correct answer, Dave, is maybe who's he playing with? Yeah, You know, is Stamkos more effective on the wing than he is at center? Okay, well, who's he playing with if he's on the wing um, compared to center? I don't know. I, what I'm saying is I, I just – it's probably just more of a compliment to the fact that Stamkos is playing at a high level right now and that he is healthy and that, you know, it, it makes you step back and say, okay, well, what does that mean? What does that mean for Stammer? What does that mean for this team? I mean, it's all very positive, Dave. I'm not saying <laughs> – none of it's negative. Right. You know, it's just – I don't know if it's something you expected coming into this year. And uh, it's fun to watch. And uh, I hope Stamkos keeps scoring goals because that's what he's good at. And uh, so far, so good so far uh, this season. So we thank as, everybody for their questions. As
0: Phil would say
1: on his goal last night, Stamkos' goal last night, see what happens when you shoot the puck. And he's right. And he's you right. You never know. You, don't, you never know because the other, the other team has a goaltender too. And uh, sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. But uh, we'll be at it again tomorrow. And now that game tomorrow is what? At 4 o'clock, Dave, right? Yeah. 4 o'clock tomorrow. So we'll be on the air with Brian Burns. And Chief, I think, is back for the pregame Correct. skate show with 3. Thank you, Steve. And then 3.30, I'll have the pregame. And then you and uh, the Hall of Famer will have the game call at uh, 4 o'clock. We look Can't forward wait. to it. Thank you, partner. Great job, right. as always, this week. Thanks to Steve Erskine. Thanks to all our guests this week and to you for chiming in. We always appreciate it. Tell your friends about it. We're here weekdays, noon to one, on Lightning Power Play.